It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to part two of my interview with Wes O'Neill. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one yet, I highly recommend going back, listening to part one, and then coming back to this one. Hope you enjoy. I guess we ought to go to Wagner's. I, I went, made it down to Wagner's in the fall, 57, after I'd left that Matador outfit. I worked, worked there until the first of the year, and they called me to the Army. So I went to the Army, but had a deal. I stayed six months on active duty and then five or six years, six years, I think, in the reserves. Just, but they never did. Well, called me up one time for a two or three week tune up. When I got out of, got out of there, I went, went back to Wagner's. I'd been in fall of 58. And stayed stayed there, you know, till I left in 2016. But wow, That's yeah, awesome. they were like all these, uh, you know, this cow calf outfit. But they run away, and they kept at that time they kept it out year round. And but besides cattle, they farmed a lot. You know, they had. Wheat, oil, minerals, and stuff to sell besides just cattle, but they they claim five hundred thirty thousand acres, but laid in six different Texas, six different counties, but it was all under one fence. You know, it's thirty or forty miles from one side to the other. And they how run. many head could they run? Well, at that time, they tried to hold it to 10,000. That's what, and sometimes they'd grow up a little, and sometimes it depends on the weather and, you know, how much grass they had, but they, uh, they tried to just hold it around 10,000. They were straight Herefords, like the JAs. They're not now. They're, they're a straight black cattle now, but at then, you know, and so. So were yeah. you around for that for that transition from Hereford to 
Angus? Uh, not really. They done. They had kind of started a little bit of it, but not <clears throat> when I actually left. They still about half Angus Hereford, maybe. Okay. But they're 100% black cattle now. But it, and they was a little, you know, they, they kept, they kept their weaning wean in the fall and then kept them, run them on wheat pastures through the winter when they had it. And, and then they'd have big shipping day about 1st April. 1st April was the beginning of their new fiscal year, and so that was their big payday. We had kept all the steers on one big field up there and heifers on another one, but it, they'd ship two or three thousand steers there in one day, you know, but it was a long length the railroad, so we mostly just put them on trucks, but a couple of times we hauled them to the railroad and unload and then load them on the railroad, but they kept wagging out. It was kind of your choice. They had a pickup come in every evening or most every evening. You could stay at the wagon or come into the bunkhouse. Whatever, most of the single guys had a bedroll at the wagon and bed in the bunkhouse. You got way off and just too tired, didn't want to make the drive, just stay at the wagon. They kept it out. Long in early 70s, they decided to quit running the wagon, just built a big cook shack there at the headquarters. And like like other ranches, you know, they it, it was just a little more profitable to just work out a, a center place. And, yeah. And you could, of course... The gooseneck trailers had come in, and it was pretty handy to just load a bunch. Was that oh. kind of a sad thing to see, to see them stop yeah. using the wagon? Yeah, most of us didn't want to do that. And, but, of course, I mean, we didn't have no say on it. They just, I was the, I was the wagon boss when they decided to do it, but they didn't. They didn't ask me. Mm. What I thought they just told me what they're gonna do, you know. Yeah. So I was wagon boss there for twelve years, and when uh, that the main CEO, whatever you call him, <laughs> passed away, well, they hired a new guy. Laid the ranch foreman that I was working for called called me in the office and I thought, well, we this was in the summer. I thought we was going to talk about lining up schedule for fall work or something, but I went in there and she said, "You ain't the wagon boss no more." <laughs> oh, right. well, how come? Well, we're making some changes and so. They they said, you know, we'd like for you to go to Whiteface. 
and that's where all the horses with studs and road mares and stuff were there. And also there's about a seven or eight hundred cow resident herd. So I, I that was in seventy five and so I goes down, you know, I I was married then and had a couple of girls, one of them fixing to go into high school and stuff. So I agreed to do that. So go was down. that something you wanted you wanted to do or No, I, I didn't but I didn't have no you know, they just said I could do that or hit the road is what so being married, you know, I for once I put family in front sided and but you know, I got I got along with them good, made a lot of improvements there and bought some stud horses outside or helped buy them. I didn't buy them, I recommended them and and we showed some horses. I've shown horses in every discipline, you know. I showed a horse in the security. I've showed the horse in a lot of AQHA stuff in that RHAA. And I wasn't real successful, but, and I, and I really didn't like it because. I didn't like to spend all day in the round pen or in the arena, you know. I'd rather be out prowling or working cattle or something, but... Yeah, that makes and, sense. And anyway... Was there a particular breed of horse that that you liked or that the ranch liked? Yeah, I liked them king bred, you know, Pocahuana bred horses. Yeah. And... And King Ranch, that was their, they was King and King Ranch. And a horse called Nifty Pelp, we raised that horse, but they were flat, good horses. And Just so, all around in every aspect. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Even back then, you know, that is before uh, we had tried to do any cutting or working cow horse they would have been ideal for that but now then we've uh we had a, a trainer there on on the payroll trainer fair for a few years that he made semifinals first couple of years he went down there just on our horses you know and then they you got where they didn't want to do it anymore. They it was it cost a lot, you know, it just flat cost a lot. And so and the owners I don't know, after the manager that died that wanted to do that and promote the horses a little bit, he passed away and the owners just kinda Wanted to get out of it, so we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's too bad. Yeah, they, they're kind of doing that. They're doing a little bit of it now. They're kind of going to them ranch rodeos and showing some in that working cow horse. And 
But anyway, when you think about the horses, is there one in particular that stands out to you as being your favorite? You know, there was one there, I guess. It was really a good all-around horse. And, you know, you could cut, sew it, rope, and he was gentle. I showed him several times in that, just in that RHAA, was fortunate enough to win the Stanford working cow horse. They have one deal there every just cowboys, you know. But he might have been. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. Even, yeah. when, even when I left, they give me a horse that I've been riding. He, he's probably just as good as old sheep was, but He's not as gentle. He wasn't, yeah. but he just kind of standoffish, you know. I'll let you ride me if you don't try to do too much training. <laughs> <laughs> I That's still funny. got, I still got him. He's <clears throat> but anyway, in two thousand, they wanted to go to straight AI them horses and stuff so they hired a guy he was already working there i guess you know working in the office up there he installed the computer system for them but and he had some horses of his own so they hired him to take that over and ask me if i'd stay a few months or a year or two to kind of get him Establish and kind of show him, might help him a little bit. And and I, I actually, I stayed there. That was 2000, I think. I stayed there till 2016 till they sold the ranch. And yeah, me and him got along good, and I didn't. We, you know, I was taking care, I could gather them for him. Help and still, we still had that 700 cow herd, and so I done most of that, whatever. And he was nice to me, you know. I he wanted me to be around, and, but when the ranch sold, well, I just that was in the spring of '16. Was that's when I left. And I went right straight to work. This was about the first of May or middle of April. I went right straight to work, day working for the four sixties. They was branding at that time. We got through branding while well, I just come home and piddled around and then in the fall they call me, come help wean. So here I go again. And they had, they had ranches or places leased in Nebraska, South Dakota. Wow. Two, ran- two ranches in Montana, three three places in Wyoming, and two places 
in Nevada. So we'd pull out in the fall. They'd built a wagon that we could pull behind one-ton pickup. And so I got to cowboy in Nebraska. We went south Dakota and weaned them. Calves left there, went to Montana, that place up at Malta, weaned them, worked the cows, palpated, and come back down to Roundup, Montana, worked that, come on down to Wyoming and worked those three places, just weaning calves and shipping them back to wherever, selling selling. Old cow worked them three places and went on to Nevada, and they had a place there north of Elko, about forty-five, fifty miles. This was a mile from where I was at in '51 when I was working for Moffitt. Really? Yeah, yeah, that. But. <laughs> And we, we and them went on to Ely. They had a place at Ely. Went down there, worked those cattle, weaned the calves, worked the cows, shipped everything. And it was after, you know, we'd left pretty early in September. And this was, it was Thanksgiving or after time we got back to Guthrie. But. That was in 16, and I done done that through 20, I guess. That's then, cool. That's a neat, that's awesome yeah. that you were able to go to that many different places that quick uh, and still experience yeah. different things. Yeah, it, it, they're all a little different, but they all had the same goal, you know, just selling beef for consumption. And then, yeah. Then in 21, I helped the horse outfit down there. They was sure something happened to one of the men or two of them. And they breed they breed 800 to 1,000 mares there every spring. Eh? Out the four sixes? Yeah, at that wow. time. Yeah, they had 500 resale mares there. My my job, you know, was just horseback. I paying paying them every day or something, you know. Every other day was breeding day, and, and then the, the next day would just be palpating days. See who's ready to breed tomorrow. I never did have to get off my horse. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And, so that was that was about it, and I they called that fall, but I didn't go, and I was getting wanting to stay a little closer to home. And Cole, my grandson, he'd went to work for Wagner's out here, you know, and he just lives. They had bought a thirty-five thousand acre ranch. It's just twenty miles from me, and so I spend most of my time with him now. Go out two or three days a week, 
feed or, you know, gather bulbs. Went several days last spring. Just go branding with the crew. And, uh, That's cool that you can do all of that with your grandson now. Yeah. He's close. Yeah, he's he's cowboy. You know, he's better cowboy than I was when I was his. He's 30 years old. He rides good horses. Wagner's got good horses. They've got some of them. Bet he's cat and all huh. that. You know, the, n- nearly all these ranches have improved their horses. They've, they've took them best old foundation brood mares and bred them to them world champion cutting horses and rain cow horses and they've all got arenas you know roping cattle and cutting cattle you can go down to the evening or no none of them work on Saturday or Sunday anymore much unless the ox is in the ditch and you can go down there and train on your horse. So there's them cowboys nowadays just as good and probably better than we were because they have a better chance. But why do you think that is? Like what what do you mean by a better chance, I guess? Well them uh, those ranchers they kind of encourage it because, you know, uh, a good broke saddle horse that you can go out there, rope or sort or cut on, you know, is worth a lot of money. So they like to promote them things. I don't know if you keep up with the horse market or something, but it's not unusual for a good horse to bring 30, 40, 50,000, good five or six-year-old. I've seen one bring 250 at that 400, at the 4.6 sale here year before last. Wow. $250,000 for a gilding. Did but, you ever think you'd see that? No, Lord, no. Highest price horse I ever sold was 30000 when I was supervising the Wagner deal, but it, uh, I, I never, my wildest dream would think that five or six year old good horse bring $40,000 or $50,000, but it, it's not unusual now. Hmm. The rank, you know, them ranches, there's money in that, so they encourage it. They'll give them both 10% or something, you know, to put one of them things in a sale, a little incentive for you to really work on them and try to make something, but there's money in a good horse. Yep. Where would you say the coolest place you've ever been horseback is? I'm thinking that one of the most interesting places, I think, of course, the J.A.'s in the Paladura. That's 
pretty neat, but my grandson, before he come to Wagner's, was working for the T4 Ranch out there at Tutankary, New Mexico. And okay. that is a neat, neat place. I, there's, there's old homes. It's 320,000 acre ranch. And but there's old homesteads, old rock homesteads and stuff all over that thing that people settled. That's years cool. Ago and just, I guess they just starved out. But yeah, we've seen, I've stayed with him several. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, but we've seen bear, antelope. Deer, everything, I'm thinking. Something else just prowling out there, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, they're about the closest. They don't, they don't run a wagon, but they, uh, they operate out of pickup trailers and stuff, but they still don't, uh, they just do everything a horseback. And they've got, them cattle genetics down to where they do good in that part of the country, and mm-hmm. and they're they're mostly a Angus. Nearly everybody's Angus nowadays. I guess that's what the feeders want, or that's what the housewife wants. But <laughs> it's a uh, but T four is it's as close. To what the JAs was when I went there seventy or seventy five years ago, you know, it's it's just a laid back good old ranch. That's a lot cool. of a lot of cedar, a lot of they've got three got about four cow four cow camps on it. Each guy takes has thirty, thirty five thousand acres to look after. They feed and then they raise their own horses. They're they're really pretty self efficient. But they're just like JAs. The only thing they got to sell is beef and a saddle horse once in a while, but And it's the T fours? Yeah. Is that what you said? T fours. Bill Bennigan is the owner. I have just one more question for you. All all right. right. Um, Sure. I was just wondering what your advice would be to the next generation of cowboys and ranchers coming up. I'd say get up, clean up, and show up. And volunteer if you're young. Around, listen, keep your head on the swivel, but volunteer if you know if keep your eye on that wagon boss when you're working, he might want he might signal you to do something, and if they need somebody to stay here and load that truck. We won't be here till about midnight. 
volunteer for it. And they notice things like that. But if they say we're going to eat breakfast at 4 o'clock in the morning, be there at quarter to 4 and be ready to go. You might think it, well, I'm not making no headway, but the boss is going to notice that. And he'll remember it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Ah, well, I'm not a good, you know, I'm just not a good interviewer. I admit that up front, but. <laughs> no, that was awesome. I, You've had a cool I, life. I don't. I have, you know, I've been blessed. I've never, I've never been crippled real bad. I've had one bone broke in my leg and I broke my arm. I had a knee that gave me a little trouble one time. My mare kicked me. Had to have it drained for a couple of weeks. But other than that, I've been blessed, Lindsay, I have, and I'm 89 years old. I can't hardly say it. (laughs) Uh, How come? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just didn't want to be that old. It's better than what's coming next. (laughs) 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 That's pretty well covered it. You know, I'm from humble beginning in in the 40s, you know, when right after the war, that little old town we lived close to, everything was rationed. You know, I think, like, our family was allowed five gallons of gas a week, and you had a book with stamps for everything, sugar, flour. Lord and wow. that uh, didn't. There wasn't no jobs then. There wasn't no money, but everything started picking up after the war. But I know what it is to be broke. I'm, but oh, we always had plenty to eat. Yeah. I can see my dad now when we was on that ranch growing up there in the first seven or eight years, hitching that old team of mules up to feed every day in the winter. He always had a saddle horse tied on the side in case he needed one. In the summer, Dr. Worms or pumping water, he had an old He'd just throw a mattress in the back of his work truck and go over there at night and hook up to a windmill, pump water all night, come back next day and doctor screw worms, whatever need to be done. But anyway. It's a life not very many people will ever know about or experience, I, I think. Yeah, that that way of life is gone, and or at least it is in this part of the country. So, 
One more thing that I wanted to say is that a cowboy's wife has got the hardest job on the ranch. And why do you think that is? She does everything that the cowboy don't want to do. That can. <laughs> Especially since we got cell phones, you know, you we can just call in now and say, if you have time, would you mind hitching that trailer up? That'll save me a little time. Or if them horses come up, trap them for me. Or if you go to town, pick me up so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. All the odds yeah. and end jobs. Yeah. Yeah, they're just another unpaid hand. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You're, I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. That concludes my interview with Wes O'Neill. As always, if you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. It really helps us out. And if you want to put a face behind the name of everyone that we have visited with, head over to our Instagram page. It's at cowboystories underscore podcast. And if you know someone who um, might be a good fit for the show, feel free to send me an email nomination to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you in two weeks for a brand new episode.